I'm your host, Paul Wicker, and this is the PPC Show, brought to you by AdStage. In this episode, we met Brian Gaynor and his lovely Irish accent. I would do one, but it's embarrassing. Brian manages accounts over at Hannapin Marketing, and he is an expert in all things programmatic. Brian really helped us understand what programmatic actually is, how to introduce it to your accounts, and what common networks you can use to start managing your programmatic ads. If you've been meaning to learn more about programmatic, this is your chance. We record the PPC show most Tuesdays at 10 a.m. out of our ad stage headquarters. You can pick up our podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you want the latest news in ad tech, head over to blog.adstage.io. Enjoy the episode. So I'm here with Brian. Uh, no one can see your face quite yet, Brian, but I'm about to put you on the screen. Uh, Brian uh, Gaynor is the A Digital Marketing Account Manager over at Hannapin. Today we're going to talk about programmatic, which is uh, something I think a lot of people aren't exactly sure what it is. So you are now uh, live with us, Brian. Thanks for dialing in today and joining the show. Yeah, thank you for having, you for having me, Paul. I appreciate it. And B-R-Y-A-N, is that the Irish spelling of Brian? No, it's – I don't know how I actually got it. It's My mother's maiden name is Ryan, and so that's how, why she's always told me that she named me Brian with a Y just because, one, she wanted to be different, and two, I think she just wanted to be nostalgic, nostalgic a little bit. Nice. Um, well, I, there's a Bryant, Garvin, who uh, <laughs> is kind of known in the PPC world too, so I was thinking maybe it was like a, a PPC term. <laughs> It attracts the Bryans. Possibly. <laughs> and you are not in Ireland right now, correct? No, I'm based out of Spokane, Washington. Great. And how long have you been in these fine United States? Uh, full time for about, oh, it's going on five years now. Um, like on and off during summers for two or three years before that. And that's how I met my wife and how I ended up being in Spokane of all places. Yeah. Well, welcome on behalf Thank of you. everyone. Um, although you've been here five years, so you're an old pro. Um, and then how did, uh, in terms of PPC, were you working in an agency first or did you find this as a later career? How did you get in PPC? Yeah, so I'm PPC a little over four, four and a half years. Uh, basically, I was doing an internship when I first landed in the States. at an agency based here in Spokane. They just basically said, hey, we're doing PPC now. Figure it out. You know, teach us about it. Learn it. I sort of rolled from there. Moved on after my internship to campaign manager job at a different agency and grew grew my skills there and then started a Hannapin wow nearly a year now so yeah it's been a it's been a progressive sort of here you go figure it out and learn as you go along yeah I feel like that is very much the PPC way a lot of folks are <laughs> tinkerers uh, the curious types and we've actually had a few people on from Hannapin. So it seems like a lot of folks over there are uh, pretty bright and always kind of poking around and learning all the different ad types and ad formats and whatnot. So, so very glad to have you on. Um, programmatic. So, you know, I always assume it means programmatic display. I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to programmatic. <laughs> so you're going to be teaching me quite a bit uh, today too. So I always think it means programmatic display, but what exactly is programmatic? I mean, I think that's the million-dollar question. Is like, there's so many different definitions. I think that the easiest way to do it is tech-assisted media buying is the way I've always explained it to people. So, automation, use of third-party data, use of internal data, and be able to slice and piece together different segments, to be able to reach the right person at the right time with the right message. 
in a way that's personal to them as opposed to spray and pray approach where you buy up certain placements online or um again i think that's the easiest way to put it yeah. um, and that almost sounds applicable to any paid marketing in this day and age i mean text ads you can buy programmatically through you know, <laughs> we're a platform ad stage and uh, you can programmatically buy so when you talk about programmatic though aren't you usually referring to things like display ads and native ads or do you really mean anything you can buy kind of through I think, an API. I, I think I think that's evolving. Like especially, I, display is definitely going to be is still the primary driver. You have video, native has slowly started to creep up over the last couple of years and become more of a, you know, people are still trying to figure out, you know, is it only quality? Is it only de decent inventory? And then as as start to evolve now, as you start to see ProtoMind TV start to evolve. Protomite radio is really starting to take off, and then you know it's, it is going to eventually evolve into different channels. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, essentially everything we do online or every paid ad is done programmatically. It's just a different definition of how how you do it. Uh, that makes total sense, and I guess in some ways, like you said, everything is programmatic or moving in that direction. I guess you still buy billboards and newspaper and, and magazines. So I guess there is a lot of non-programmatic. Um, so you brought up one word too, which no one can agree on the definition of, which is native ads. So uh, what's your definition or when, when you say native ads, what do you mean? So like native ads essentially are those like blocks of promoter content that you see on the lights of CNN, um, Forbes, sites like that. Again, native can also apply to like some Facebook ads and LinkedIn because they are native to the platform. They fit in with the experience, and that's essentially where it got for native. For me, I think it's still evolving to the point where the quality of the inventory, the quality of the content that's out there, is still people are still unsure about as for both from the user end as well as the advertiser end. So, for me, I think that's a a big thing is how do you define a good native ad versus a you know, garbage gar garbage inventory, and that's I think that's still um, still a question a lot of people are having right now. And so, when you your first kind of definition was those blocks of text on like a, a CNN or Forbes, which I think you did good at picking like a, a left site and a right site. Um, <laughs> the so like the outbrainy type stuff, like outbrain ads that make it look like it's an article, but it's really not. Yeah, and uh, that's what essentially what people would be seen as a protobite native type of ads. And then obviously you go to BuzzFeed, you see a lot of sponsored content or sponsored um, articles and sponsored quizzes. It's a, it's another form of native advertising just done outside the protobite sphere. All right, so um, thanks for the lesson on both native and programmatic. So when you have a client that isn't doing programmatic, um, let's well, I'll leave it at that. They're not doing programmatic, and you're coming up with a plan. Let's say they've kind of maxed out traditional search and social, um, and now they want to go programmatic. What's some of the kind of recommendations you bring to people? So I think you have to look at you know what their strategy is overall, how they're trying to reach the user, what we look at, what we've historically done in search uh, in the GDN, how do we expand beyond just the GDN and the traditional social channels? So I think the biggest thing I I try to sell to people is the re the expanded reach you get with programmatic. You're not just confined to Google, Google uh, inventory. You have 
up to 90 different sources of inventory and increase their stay maybe 20, 30 percent more. So I think that that's the I think that's the biggest thing is that expanded reach outside of just Google's own properties. And on top of that, you have the added layer of being able to bring in third party audiences into into your campaign. So from um, aggregated data from the likes of Blue Kai, XLH, where they've already collected millions of cookies of based on um, categorize people in different behaviors, different um, segments, and be able to apply that really tightly targeting into into your campaigns on top of already data we've already collected from for first party retargeting as well as uh, email lists or things like that. And then finally, I think depending on what type of technology you use is the actual technology. So the strength of a you know product might better, different algorithms each of the, the bad site platforms uses, um, and then just the different features each um, each DSP has on top of what Google already offers. So two questions. One, do you recommend people kind of max out GDN first and then go try some of these other networks? Uh, and second question is, what what are some of these other kind of networks that people buy from? Yeah, so again, I think it, it goes back to the old digital marketing answer. It really depends on the client and you know the types of budgets they have, the types of strategies they want to implement from the get-go. I think GDN works really well. And if they want to focus on maybe just paying per cost for actual traffic, so a CPC, uh, stick with the GDN. With programmatic, primarily you, you pay CPM, um, so you're paying for every thousand impressions a certain so it does work out maybe a little bit more expensive to garner that traffic. And I mean, I think in terms of the actual inventory, it's like, while there's 80, other 80 to 90 other sources of inventory that isn't just Google. These companies are still huge, so the likes of AppNetsis, uh, Brightroll, which is now bought by Yahoo. Um, you know, so a, a lot of these a lot of these inventory sources are not just small little houses somewhere in the Bay Area trying to trying to be the next Google. They're well established companies who are based out of New York, based out, you know, they're that are trending to, you know, have their own DSPs outside of just what they're selling on the DSP networks. And do you find that, you know, folks go to these other networks uh, because they want specific placements or because obviously these aren't media companies. Well, I guess Yahoo is uh, at Brightroll. But in, in some cases, they're not media companies. They're just networks, right? So do you often go in search of placements on certain sites or it's really the, the placement's kind of irrelevant and you're doing audience targeting using that third-party data? Again, it's a mixture of both. Like we have, um, with Programmine now, we have the option of going to private marketplaces and actually doing direct deals via uh, the Programmine interfaces. So again, it cuts out that middleman of the salesperson where you can uh, set your targeting within your platform and then um, reach specific placements. On top of that, you can also um, you know layer on that added technology and that added data to to be able to really. really refine your message to that person at that time on that particular placement. But again, I think it's it's a mixture, it is a, it's, it's a nice mix of both, so you can really hone in on your placements, get really premium inventory, as well as, you know, layering on that added, added technology and added behavioral data to be able to, to really refine that message. So I know a lot of agencies have like a search team, and then some have a display team, or, you know, a social team and display 
sometimes ends up on the social team or if it's a, basically a GDN. Uh, and for people who don't know GDN, Google Display Network, um, it's basically the Google, what they use called Content Network. It puts a bunch of display ads on any sites that are using Google AdSense to show display ads. So I'm curious, do you think the search people should own programmatic, the social people, or you actually should have a team that's just doing kind of programmatic display and uh, native-ish stuff? Native in the outbrain kind of world, not native in terms of Facebook promoting <laughs> uh, sponsor content, promoted posts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it, it comes to the point, ideally, if you, know, if you want to really sell anything, you have to specialize in it. Um, like right now, my day-to-day, -day, I manage search, social, and programmatic across multiple different clients. But again, I think it's important to, as a search manager, to be able to learn programmatic and, pay and at least learn the basics. A lot of it, it's, it's not that difficult. A lot of it is a, the same principles of running a GDN campaign or even, even as a search campaign or any online campaign, if, if you really want to put it like that. You know, you... you you put your strategy better, you implement your audience, you figure out what's working, you, f you filter out what's not, you set your bids, you adjust your bids, you, you make sure you're running on reputable sites, you're not running on garbage. Um, so again, the, the principles are the same, and with the barriers of entry coming down now to where it, there's a lot more self-serve offerings out there, it's definitely a perfect time for PPC managers to start at least researching and learning and testing it out themselves to be able to, you know, be able to offer this and go beyond what just the basis of GDN or uh, just uh, traffic and ads for, for other networks. And this is maybe a, a weird question you can't answer, but um, so Brightroll, can you get kind of what Yahoo Gemini calls native inventory through Brightroll or do you have to go through Gemini to get that native? Do you know by any chance? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I know it's possible. I know through uh, Google's ProRide platform, DoubleClick, you can buy native inventory through a company called TripleLift, where they, they specialize in just native inventory. Uh, in terms of Gemini, I don't think that's available through the DSPs yet or demand side platforms yet. Uh, but that's something I can find out. Yeah, well, I think we're going to get a Gemini person on the show soon. I could, I could grill them, but I always, <laughs> in general, that's where things get a little confusing because you know everything's native in some ways. I mean, <laughs> you can put text ads in display inventory, and you can put video in display, and soon it just becomes, you know, there's a placement or there's inventory and there's an ad, and those things are almost irrelevant. But um, so, and you mentioned a few kind of DSPs that you use. Could you just name drop maybe three or four that if people wanted to go kind of figure out where to get started, they could check out? Yeah, so I, like, over my, I've been programmatic specifically for about what, three years now. So I, I worked in DoubleClick by Google, um, the Trade Desk, Media Math, uh, Central, uh, DSP, and... There's a couple of others out there that I've tested, some lights of ad form as well. There is, the, th the thing is with a lot of those companies, there is minimums to actually work directly with them, or really high minimums. But a lot of them have reseller partners where um, they get access to their to their uh, UI with, um, you pay an added fee on top of it. Basically, you just get a seat, a seat at, their, at their ticket, basically. And, um, but yeah, they're sort of the the, the 
major players that I've worked with in, in the last couple of years. Yeah, they all sound like those kind of big expensive ones. Uh, is there so people use things like AdRoll? Um, is AdRoll give you access to programmatic? I assume it does, right? Yeah, in terms of um, it's definitely an entry level. DSP that I I I actually use very little because I've had access to, to the to the bitter the bitter the bitter tools, uh, but again it's yeah there is the lights of Adderall that you can work through contrast or you know have them manage it and things like that as well if you want to just dip your toes and traffic in uh, programmatic and test out how good data at programmatic technology can be, um, but yeah they're sort of the the ones I haven't had as much experience with over the last couple of years. Right. Um, and then, okay, so your pitch for programmatic is basically expand your reach. And it sounds like you recommend targeting uh, using kind of your existing audiences. So if you have email lists or any type of those audiences, uh, is that right or am I making things up? Uh, that's one part of it in terms of targeting. I think on top of it, you have the, the added layer of importing third party behavioral, also second party as well, if, you, if it's available to import. And then uh, you also have the added benefit of working with content verifiers such as like Peer39 or Double Verify, where if you're running, say, a keyword contextual campaign, they can verify it that it's actually on the, they do a page level instead of a domain level type uh, targeting. Um, on top of that, you have also just the added brand safety. I feel it works better to be able to control things, um, you know. It's a, it just gives a little bit more layer of security to where your ads are actually showing instead of, uh, instead of just holding them, checking your placements all, every day. So you would use something like DoubleClick and then also use one of these kind of ad verifiers to make sure you're getting the right inventory that you're after? Yeah, so it uh, depends on the client. If, uh, so there is an added CPM to, to access that data. So it's, it's it varies from 10 and 30 cents CPM, which is not a huge amount. And if the budget allows for it, I definitely apply it. Google have their own their own uh, brand safety settings, but on top of that, if, if I need to, I do apply that um, added layer of security just in case. And then if you use some of these third-party uh, kind of data companies, so you mentioned Blue Kai, Oracle. Um, if you use them, then that adds another kind of CPM cost on top of it. Is that how it works? Yeah, so it, it varies depending on the on the demand for the inventory as well as the size of the audience or already the really what's the best way to put it um the complexity of the audience so say if i'm running a travel campaign for say people who want to fly to spokane it's a very niche audience so you may pay 50 cents to a dollar for that audience just not a huge demand for it whereas uh you know for premium um luxury buyers who have Incomes of two hundred thousand plus, who you're trying to sell Rolex watches to, you're maybe paying, you know, one fifty to two dollars CPM for that data on top of your bid. Um, it does it does add a layer of uh, added cost, but I definitely you see it the difference between running just a contextual category campaign versus a behavioral. And again, there is times where that data is static and can be two to three months old. So that comes where you you know start working with your data DMP or uh, data management platforms to uh, integrate your your current audiences and be able to build lookalike audiences as well, also to 
um, to create to create a, a a model that matches your current customers, so similar to similar audiences in in AdWords or offline audiences in Facebook. You have that added um, added technology in, and you know, so you have the flat cost of the inventory. Then you have the cost of if you use third party targeting or if you're you know using one of these sought after segments. <laughs> And then you may have a cost for um, some of this verification software. I've heard of some of these yield optimizers that might sit on top of there too. Um, but we let's put that aside for now. So that's, you know, so you're at the end of the day, CPMs are, I'm guessing what, like three to five bucks if you're not getting too crazy. And then like 10 to $12 if you're trying to get a more premium inventory. Is this a reasonable range? Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've seen a range from 18, because I've seen a range from that for fifty cent CPM up to fifteen dollars CPM, depending on the type of inventory. Obviously, lights of videos will be another more expensive. Uh, if you have a really niche uh, audience or place for this, you want to target, you maybe have to bid higher to get scale to to um, to hit those those sites on a regular basis. Uh, but again, yet yeah, around the three to six dollar range is where I see a lot of my my current campaigns come in at, and I'm getting really good performance. I, we have one client where I'm getting a 10 X ROI in programmatic and a GDA with a CPA that's about 80% below goal and a GDN. We're not even coming close to that. We're coming in around goal and the CPC, the cost per transaction is coming in at uh, about 30%, 40% higher. So we're, we're definitely seeing um, benefits of using programmatic on top of GDN. Uh, but again, it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on. It depends on on your strategy and how you want to implement it. You know, whether you match out GDN first or you just start whole hog from user protocols from the start. And you know, it, it got me thinking. The uh, so conversion. So we're often you know, so we support the search and social networks, um, <laughs> and you know, everyone has their own conversion tracking: Google, Bing, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. And then you have your own native conversion tracking. Um, and we kind of live and die by conversions in traditional search and social. Often you hear about programmatic and display. It's more about impressions and reach and frequency and some of the older kind of metrics. But I just heard you say things like CPA uh, was, you know, much better. Uh, so still tracking maybe ads to the conversion level, or sorry, tracking conversions to the ad level, or can you get kind of really deep conversion tracking? Yeah, that, that's the... Um one of the extra added things about Protomine as well is that the level of reporting in the debt, it translates to the depth of targeting as well, is, you know, I can see down to basically the device someone was on in terms of the actual model. So, like, I can see someone was on an iPhone 5 who was running on Verizon who uh, converted at 5 p.m. yesterday. So, and, and we can get really deep into where... Our audience is what's performing, and the actual we can stay help inform our clients to how do where most of our audience is. So if they're on a, a Galaxy S seven, it's going to definitely prefer, you know have a different resolution, different mobile experience than a iPhone five. So it, we also see if you know a lot of their audiences use an older device then they can scale their mobile experience to be able to be a little bit better as well. So it, it's not just a an advertising perspective we can get into it, it's a whole user experience perspective as well that we can see. Again, it just gives that a little bit more depth than what Google or Facebook can provide right now. 
And I assume all these programmatic platforms have their own pixel or conversion tag. Yeah, so it's just a most merge space at, at JavaScript tag. That's it's like it's like MadWords tag. You place this on your thank you page, or and then it's separately marked inside to you know track the marking as well. Right. I see them all the time. I use Ghost Three. <laughs> I don't know if you use Ghost Three. It like sees all the tags on a page, uh, so you can tell. That's a nice little trick if you ever want to know what. Uh, people are advertising on or what brands are advertising you often can tell by the tags they've installed on their website it's a good little snooping trick <laughs> um, so you brought up reporting saying that you know you get really kind of robust I hate using the word robust I don't know why I said <laughs> uh, you get very complete data around uh, some of these things I think of like Google Analytics type browser mm-hmm. and uh, and device and all that fun stuff um, how different are these reports from the reports you're generating for search and social? And do you try to combine them all up into one kind of super view or do you report on programmatic separately? Uh, at the minute, we, we try to report on programmatic separately because, and then that it brings up the question about attribution, what's actually driving the conversion. Um, so right now we, we separate our, well, the programmatic I'm, Managing right now, we separate our search from our programmatic and just give a bit of baseline numbers. We just basically pull it to cell reports for for programmatic and for hip hop. And um, but yeah, it, again, it's there is ways to you know if you're using double click suites. So if you use their campaign manager plus their actual bid manager, and if you have the budget to use double click search, you're able to see a full funnel approach and full funnel. Um, Attribution of where you know someone searched, and then they saw a display ad, and then they saw a charity ad, and then they searched again, and we don't see that see that flow a little bit better. Um, but without that true attribution, it's really hard to you know make sense of like search and programmatic. So that's why we try and separate it out. And we what we tend to do with some clients is rather give we give about fifty percent attribution if you true as opposed to. You know, a full hundred percent, just because you know, a view true, it's still a view true. So it's we don't know it, it completely contributed to the conversion, but it definitely had some. We some of them definitely did have an influence. We try to have a some sort of metric to go off. And so, fifty uh, percent attribution for view through conversions, and then what about a typical look back window? What do you guys usually use? Uh, again. It, it goes back. It, it depends on the clients and on the length of their sales cycle. So, I, uh, the client I'm most heavily involved with right now, we have about a 30 day click through window and a 14 day view through window. And we're starting to see in our remarketing as well, like we have it layered out by uh, different time segments. So, like people who visit within 24 hours, within one to, one to three days, three to one, seven days, and so on. Uh, we're starting to see people come back within that. Two to two, two to three days is the master certainty transactional conversions come through as opposed to I know my experience in lead gen it could be thirty to ninety days depending on, on the client so again it just depends on the client and what their what their sales cycle looks like what their goals look like and um, what their actual customer looks like how how much they're researching how 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 long is their decision making things like that. So if I were a client um, getting, and I, you've convinced me I should be trying <laughs> to do some programmatic display, what are the first two or three things you would find out for me so you knew kind of which network to use and 
and which strategies to use? Again, I think it just we look at you know what they've done in the past. If they looked at GDN, they found that contextual like. Uh, category type charity has worked well or Google's version of behavioral has worked well and then we form a strategy based on you know what I'll do is I'll break out four or five different behavioral audiences we'll test that for the first month to six weeks uh, see which ones are working the best bring in the best quality traffic look the analytics see the time of site is, is looking like um, you know and see, and see how those, those users are contributing to, to the funnel and eventually to the bottom line and then we, we start making tweets after that. So we start looking at, okay, we're going to cut through these audiences. We're going to add in. We're starting to see a common trend of placements. So say in the travel industry, we're seeing a lot of people uh, clicking ads on Expedia or, uh, or Kayak or things like that. Um, we'll, we'll start creating placement type campaigns to, to really hone in that, that audience and, and have the client fine tune the messaging. Um, I'm trying to keep three questions in my head at once. Um, one is, do you often use programmatic to kind of get users using this kind of pretty expensive targeting data? And then once you've retargeted them, you kind of throw them in this pool of, you know, users that came through programmatic that if all the targeting actually works the way it's supposed to, you can kind of assume they're in that high value segment. Uh, well, let me just stop and ask you that. Does that, does that happen? Yeah, so it's it's something I, I tend to do. If I start to see performance starting to, say, we take over accounts, uh, we see that performance is really shuttle and they haven't been using behavioral, I'll sit down with the with the rest of the team. We'll, we'll put together maybe personas of who we think is the ideal customer in different regions. So, um, say for a, I had a client a couple of years ago where they were in the EDU business, and we looked at... There are people who are applying to law school, who are in law school or studying pre-law, um, the parents who are who have kids who want to go, go to law school, things like that, and then we're able to fine-tune those type, those um, those client uh, those users and bring them in um, at the top of the funnel. It didn't it didn't revert well at the top of the funnel. The remarketing started to slowly pick up, and over over a couple of months of bringing higher what we deemed to be higher quality traffic. The CPA overall CPA came down, even though we're we're not converting the top, but we're bringing it back in through the the bottom of the funnel because we know that quality, that pool is deemed better quality. Yeah, I guess it's safe to say since most of this, uh, most of the ads are running our display and video, uh, this is pretty top of the funnel stuff in general. Mm -hmm. um, and then a question on budget. So, is there like, if people don't have at least know, twenty grand a month, or is there some number you're like, look, unless you have X to play around with, you know? Let's not do this. I mean, I like when I worked in spoke with, with agencies that spoke out. I've I worked with budgets as small as five hundred bucks a month to budgets of fifty, sixty k per line item. So, um, it just it really just again just goes back to the pens. <clears throat> you're with more budget, you don't get more scaling. You don't get more performance out of uh, out of your campaigns. You have more data to work with, more data to be able to optimize and fine tune and get more uh, significant results. Where you, like, with a bigger budget, you don't have more probably two to three million impressions per 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 week, as opposed to a five hundred dollar budget, you maybe need ten thousand impressions. So, trying to find a significant um, result from that is going to be a little bit harder and make made optimizations a little bit more difficult. Uh, but again, it, 
if there is options out there that's essential as far as I know since the last year it's a plug and play $500 minimum to, to get set up and get access to all these extra networks and exchanges uh, whereas someone like MediaBath I believe to work directly with them is I think it's 300 million sorry 3 million a year in ad spend but again they have all those extra partners to uh, take that extra minimum off as well right. so I was going to say 300 million if they're in a very, <laughs> a very small category of people. Um, yeah. So if I came to you with $500 and said, I want to try programmatic, you're saying uh, we can do it. And you said who? Centro? Was that the name of the company? Yeah, Centro DSP or USB site stash. Hmm. Uh, all right. So if you are if you want to dabble, you can dabble for as low as $500. That surprises me. I thought you would have said like, uh, you know, maybe 5000 Otherwise, you know, you're going to get like, 10 impressions and we won't know what happened. Exactly. And again, that's, that's from the, I used last year's demo about a year ago. So that could have changed, but, um, I know what I used them. I was working, I was doing some consulting for a startup prior to working for Hanabin and, uh, we used them just as the only access we had to a DS, to a DSP that was relatively cost efficient. And could you buy direct placements via that tool? Uh, I, Leafs, I think there's options to, if you work with your account manager or work with the support, you can set up uh, direct placements. But I think with direct placements, you have to have a minimum to just work with those companies as well. So, uh, yeah, that I'm not sure off the top of my head. Now we're back to the $5,000. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me ask you a little bit about training. So in terms of Hannapin, uh, I know you guys do a lot between search social, programmatic, video. Uh, are there... a a bunch of folks doing programmatic? Are you like one of the specialists? And how do you go about training other people on programmatic? Yeah, so I, I came on board Hanab about nine months ago and they had Dabble and programmatic. There's only two or three people I know had worked on it hands-on. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the few, I, think, I believe, that has um, actually a decent amount of experience in it. We don't do a huge amount of programmatic because it is, again, a lot of advertisers still new to it or they're using... Uh, the lights of a podcast or a an ad roll right now. Um, when it comes to questions like people either come to me or they'll talk to their Google rep or things like that, and we try to have uh, like we have our a month, one day a month every month where we uh, have training called Redbop where we you know we pick a topic every month. We we've done programmatic I believe since I've been there and I've helped account managers who have had questions come to me. This is what I think. This is what you know. The same way, um, you know, we have a social specialist. We have obviously a team of search specialists as well. Uh, but yeah, it's it's generally we try to train as much as we can on it. But it's not something we really specialize in yet. And you, correct me if I'm wrong. You are speaking at an upcoming conference. I think at HeroConf. Yeah. So I, yeah, no, I'm speaking here, Conf. It's uh, April 17th to the 20th. Um, I'm actually going to be doing a session on programming for PPC managers. So um, basically, like I talked earlier on about you know, how pro, uh, PPC managers can really take what they know from PPC and the experience of years of looking at spreadsheets and looking at data and apply it in a different way to programmatic and um, again, like I said earlier on, it's all the same principles. It's just a different platform. So it's like when PPC managers went from search to adopt it into social and test out social campaigns, it's the same methodology. You figure out, you know, what's working, what uh, 
types of bids work, what types of placements, what types of uh, charity works, and over time you you just evolve and you learn and you read blogs and you learn the same way we've always learned, which is you dumped into it and you you figure it out over time. Um, makes me think of a question. So in search and social, you know, you can change budgets, bids, keywords, and search. Uh, obviously, all kinds of different uh, socio or social and demographic targeting. Um, in programmatic. I mean, you're either using third-party data or using audience lists or retargeting pixels, um, categories. Well, let me not answer my own question. So what are the ways you, like, optimize a campaign to get it to perform better the programmatic? Yeah, so obviously the first, the first, one of the first things I look at is the, I think that especially for PPC managers entering into ProtoMind that forget to look at is the exchange or network report. So you can break down and see where most of your impressions are serving, where you got a lot of your traffic from, where a lot of your conversions are coming from. So generally, I pull out a report on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. I look at, say, the Google Ad Exchange as well as AppNexus or BrightRoller perform really well, um, whereas I find certain exchanges are maybe bring me a really, really high click-through rate. But when I look at the... Um, at the performance on site from that network, it's really really high bounce rate and really low um, time on site. So it, it goes back to um, being able to be vigilant the quality of the of the inventory. And generally, when you see high click rates and display of like five and six percent, you know it's probably not real traffic. So you, where you can filter out those exchanges that have really bot traffic or what what's known as bot traffic or um, basically uh, non-human traffic. So um, that's the biggest thing I've found is filtering out those exchanges that are, are more uh, susceptible to um, attacks from those bots or have bots on that inventory. Um, yeah, I guess it's funny. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Pretty much. It's, it's, uh, it's, one of the, it's one of the few things I learned pretty quickly is like, you know, you go to your first year, you present your first report and you realize you have a 6% click-through rate in display, you, you're loving it, and then you look at the time and size and it's less than a second and the bounce rate is 99.9%. <laughs> um, so again, that, I think that's the biggest thing, especially as you start to test programmatic, is know your changes and know what, where things are working. Again, I generally started all exchanges because um, not every exchange is not every bad exchange is going to be bad all the time. And it depends on the audience, the lucrative uh, audience. So like if you have a higher bid, the bots know that you have a higher bid. It's going to try and reach out to know that type of inventory, um, at that type of uh, advertiser, try and slide them in your in their inventory. Um, so again, it, it's important to regularly check those exchange reports to make sure that, um, that you, you're not spending thousands of dollars on, on wasted inventory. So it sounds like number one is make sure the placements are, are high quality and not spammy and that uh, you're getting you know, good performance from them. Do you fiddle around with bids like you would do in search or social? Yeah, not as frequency, frequently. I mean, again, depending on the client, depending on the scale we know we have, say for a branding campaign, I will sometimes test allowing the, the platform's own algorithm under its own... Um, Bitter, which is what a lot of people use ProtoMind for to uh, I'll set a say a gold CPC or gold CPA and I say I want to get this 
right now or, or next six weeks and I'll, I'll just let the bidder run itself and I've seen success but I've also seen limited scale because it's trying like like when you said all my bids and search or social if you're trying to get under a certain goal it's just going to bid to within that goal so um, I generally I'm a hands-on person I don't like a lot of automated bidding if I can avoid it just because again with the um, with that as limitation scale, and you know, you kind of pay more than what it's actually really worth, and it's sometimes doesn't work as well. Um, I generally adjust my bids based on if I'm seeing, uh, say, a limit in, in, in a limit in impressions. So I need to, I know I need to bid higher to increase my reach, as well as the higher bid, generally the higher quality of the inventory as well. So if you, I mean, you can bid one cent on the inventory, but you're paying one cent inventory. So you're on some, you know, posted site, you know, so again, it goes back to, you know, that exchange, that placement site reports, uh, knowing where you're, where you want your audience to be and be able to predict that, okay, I know that's a placement on CNN is only $3 CPM or on Forbes is going to be 450 because we know it's going to be higher, higher traffic. So there's going to be more demand. Uh, and yeah, it just goes to, you know, Look at your, look at your reports, look at your placements, and just using your own knowledge of, of the account to uh, to make those decisions on a on a regular basis. Earlier, you mentioned if you use DoubleClick, you, know, you pay them a bazillion dollars and use all their products, you get this nice robust attribution view of the world. Do clients have? Are they using some of these other kind of cheaper startupy attribution tools to do this cross network? Uh, attribution and do they funnel that back into their like budgeting or is most of the stuff still a pipe dream? Uh, for us, we're we're not currently using any major uh, or any minor <laughs> attribution tools. We're 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 trying to for a program ad, we use DoubleClick's campaign manager, which is basically the ad server where we traffic all our ads. It's hosted there and then they serve through their bid manager, and that's where you do a lot of the optimizations. And we can actually see a lot of the attribution across all the programmatic channels, as well as uh, we traffic some of the direct buys as well. Um, but um, so we start to see attribution across our different channel display channels and different video channels. Um, but when it comes to trying to link it into search and the social, you know, there's there's not one tool out there that really does it well that I've seen. And I think that's the next big race is trying to figure out a totally consolidated, you know, search, social, programmatic, buying an attribution tool. And if anyone can come up with that, you know, I think that's, that's going to be the next big, uh, big race. And Google are starting to do that. It seems like as, you know, the Evolve AdWords features, and I know it's possible to uh, get blue, the lights of blue tie and third-party data into your AdWords account if you're at a certain spend, I believe. Uh, and the same with, you know, last year they announced the the search partners for retargeting display that they're trying to roll out um, at the Google Partners Conference last year. So um, again, I think that consolidation part is definitely going to be it's the biggest issue right now. Right, and it's not one. I don't know if it's going to be easy to solve for anyone because you have Google who obviously does not want to give you any impression level data and does not, it's not in their best interest to expose the inner workings, inner workings of kind of attribution because they know what ad you saw, who you are, 
uh, how long you saw it, you know, all these tiny signals. And then same goes for Facebook on their side, and both of them are very heavily incented to keep that information private because that helps helps you run more effective ads on other networks. So it's going to be challenging because it's so much of the data is hidden, you know, in the big, mm-hmm. the big networks. But we will see. Exactly. I think it'll be an interesting next couple of years. Uh, so we, if people want to learn more about programmatic, they could show up at Hero Conference, April 17th to 20th. I assume that's in uh, Seattle? Uh, it's in Los Angeles. Okay. Oh, you're taking a flight down here and then yeah. our heads down to LA. <laughs> Um, great. Okay. April 17th in LA. And then Hannapin does a bunch of webinars. I know at some point you did a webinar on programmatic as well. So people can probably Google that if they want even more programmatic knowledge. Yeah. We're, we're actually doing a, another webinar next week on, um, it's basically an Astra, Astra's anything. Myself and one of the other account managers, uh, Emma Frines are doing a, an hour long webinar. We'll have, you know, some tips on how to create a strategy, you know, and then we'll go over, you know, what we talked about today about looking certain things you should look for as red flags and then we're going to have about I think 20 30 minutes of basically hit us with anything we'll try and answer as best we can and um, you know if you just go to PPC Hero and um, look at our webinar section you'll be able to sign up for there and if you follow me on Twitter I'll tweet out that link this afternoon and yeah feel free to submit any questions you have great so PPC Hero which is the kind of the news outlet for Hannapin Marketing um, you guys are doing this kind of AMA next week. So take a look for it. And what's your handle on Twitter? It's at BrainGainer12. Why 12? Uh, it was just my lucky number growing up. <laughs> nice. Uh, I thought one of 12 children or uh, <laughs> something like that. Uh, okay, so Brian with uh, B-R-Y-A-N, Gainer, G-A-Y-N-O-R, 12. So we'll find you on Twitter, and we appreciate you coming on today and talking all things programmatic. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. All right. Take care, Brian. Have a good day.